My name is Michelle and this is the Dog Desk Radio Podcast. Today I want to talk pet food. Armadina suffers from allergies that are triggered by the main protein sources in traditional pet food. We started feeding her Yora and have noticed a marked difference. We wanted to share Yora's story with listeners, so I caught up with Tom, the man behind this fabulous insect-powered superfood for our pets. If you like what you hear and want to try Yora at home, we have a couple of one and a half kilo bags available in our fundraising shop. Don't forget that when you shop dogdeskfundraising.com, all the profits on your shopping support our core programmes. In the case of Medina, whenever we buy a bag of dog food for her, a homeless dog gets fed too. What could be better than that? And if this broadcast piques your interest, please follow our socials as we embark on our personal Yora journey. Change a dog's life every time you shop. Look for Dog Desk Animal Action on eBay for change and be the difference. I have been in the pet food industry for two thirds of my life, I think. I started off bagging up rabbit food at my local pet shop, which was um, a pet's corner back when they had about three shops. I am now essentially their creative director. I moved away from the pet industry for a while to go to university and I studied branding and now I use my branding knowledge and identity knowledge to to develop pet food brands for my clients. And um, I've been doing that for a long time and I did design quite a popular brand called Canigan back in the day. That was such a stratospheric hit that it got me thinking about just the, the, the sheer volumes that these big pet food brands produce every year and the amount of meat that goes into them. And everyone's celebrating and saying, wow, this is a great success. But I was slightly dampened by the fact that it is great, but all the experts are telling us that we do need to cut down our consumption as people. And it set me off on a journey to try and figure out if I could create my own brand that was just as good for dogs, just as nutritious, but wasn't going to have the same impact on the planet as, yep. tradi- as traditional dog food. Because the, the thing is, old-fashioned dog food was a bit rubbish. It was at least good for the planet because it only used the leftovers. And so your sort of your fairly low-grade brands are reasonably environmentally friendly, but they're just not that nutritious because they, they use just the worst parts and it can be very low-grade and you don't know where it's come from. You don't know what the welfare was of the animal. But people say, oh, well, but it's fine because it's just leftovers. But those leftovers are factored into the equation when they look at how much, anim- how many animals to yeah. slaughter. And so as, as the pet food industry has grown and improved and we've all, we're all looking at these pets and we want them to have the best nutrition possible because we want them to be healthy and not have health problems and, and everything else that can come from a bad diet. Sorry, I've just got to let That's Taco okay. out of the room. Bye, um, Taco. <laughs> see you in a bit, Taco, I'm sure. Then the first pet foods came along that offered human grade meat and, you know, and more meat and fresh meat and all of that sort of stuff, which is great for pets. I mean, it's, it is 
very healthy. There's nothing wrong with it for pets. But that fresh meat would otherwise get turned into meatballs or chicken nuggets, which aren't great for us. But there are those of us who can't afford the best quality meat. And so we are quite often finding ourselves pushing meat prices up for people who don't have much in poorer countries. Because in some of these poorer countries, that's where the meat comes from. That's where the, the carcass comes from that goes into pet food. And so there's this whole this whole industry is, is built around the, the fact is that pets are wonderful and I've got a dog and I love him dearly. But on the other hand, he is an extra mouth to feed on the planet. I love him. I want what's best for him. I would jump in front of a bus for him. But if I'm trying to reduce my family's carbon footprint, then I want to find a way that my carnivorous little buddy can be healthy without it affecting Yes, Tom, it is really important, isn't it, to consider, you know, the carbon footprint of the pet. I mean, somebody was telling me that um, a Labrador had had a carbon footprint that was equal to a Land Rover. Yeah, it can be. If you're feeding a regular dog food, like a chicken-based one, something along the lines of Lily's Kitchen, um, which is a great quality food, nothing against it, but it's got, you know, lots of chicken in it. A large dog that weighs about... 25 kilos will have a carbon footprint of about 20,000 kilos of CO2. But if you fed it on Yora, it'd be more like five and a half thousand kilos. So that's 14 and a half tons less on Yora. And that's the equivalent of driving um, an average, not particularly fuel efficient car um, all the way around the equator or taking 82 flights from London to Barcelona or it's the carbon footprint of heating the average UK home for six and a half years. That's really interesting. I mean, you know, as you say, Lily's Kitchen is a brilliant pet food. My dogs absolutely love it. It is definitely a good quality food. But for those of us that are concerned about our carbon footprints, then, you know, perhaps we should be feeding our dogs a little bit less of that very high quality food. Um, it's a, you know, it's a big learning curve, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's not, we don't need to feed them lower quality food something different it's just a different different ingredient and it's it's getting our heads around the fact yeah a more sustainable protein source a more sustainable protein source and the the thing is we have been as a pet food industry we have been training people and manipulating them for so long into the idea that we need to feed our pets as we feed our children or ourselves yes and it's succulent cuts of chicken and um, roasted vegetables and all of that sort of stuff because that appeals to us and therefore it appeals to yeah. the buyer. But someone confronted me the other day about it and um, it was one of those situations where I'm not very good on the spot, but I, I've dwelled on it for ages afterwards. And um, they said, look, this food's got whole free-range chickens in it. That's what I'd rather eat, wouldn't you? What would you rather have, a, a bowl of larvae or a plate of chicken and I said well I'm not eating it and the the real question is if the dog likes it and it's just as nutritious then why wouldn't you feed the more environmentally friendly version if they love it once we've taken our insect flour and cooked it into a into a biscuit dogs love it by and large it's a bit of an acquired taste sometimes but our sales would suggest and our repeat customers suggest that dogs really do like it and that's the main that's the main thing it's not about what you want as a person listeners tom very kindly sent some samples to us and when they came through the door the girls haven't tried them yet they're going to have them at the weekend but my cat 
went absolutely crazy and tried to open the package. So there must be something palatable about the product that you're selling because you know he really really wanted to get into that food my husband and I were having a chat about insects because you know I believe at some point in the future humans are probably going to have to bite the bullet and you know have more insect protein in their diet you bite the bug that's the one um now he was he recalled in horror and I said to him but you know you eat animals what's the difference between a cow or a sheep and a bug Oh, no, we don't eat bugs. They're disgusting. And I said, well, that's, you know, the difference is marketing, isn't it? We've all grown up eating all these animals that we wouldn't eat if we saw them being slaughtered or if we knew them before they were slaughtered. Bugs are absolutely no different at all. And in fact, it's kinder. And we'll talk about that little bit in a minute, I think. Well, there's, you know, huge millions and millions I think something like something like 20 or 30% of the world's population have insects as part of their regular diet. It's a perfect, it's a normal, natural thing. But us English, Westerners, but the English above all people in Europe, we are so squeamish about meat in general. I've massively reduced my meat intake over the last few years because of all of the things I've been saying about. Yeah. But if I do have a piece of meat, you know, I go full Hugh Fermi Whittingsall and I make sure I use every single part. Yep. Well, I'll, I'll have spleen, I'll have liver, I'll have, I'll bone, I'll boil up the bones to make a broth. I'll eat everything in, in Europe. They, you know, it's nose to tail eating, but us yep. English, we want chicken breast without the skin on. We want the least tasty parts. Mm. And um, I think it's going to be a long time till till we're eating insects here in England, but yeah. they are a great source of nutrition for those in, um, once again, in poorer countries. They're building insect farms in Africa for leftover vegetables they can't eat. They can grow insects and turn it into flour and, and make it into protein-rich, nutritious food that is tasty. You don't have to eat it as a creepy crawly. You can grind it up and, and use it as a protein powder much in the same way as bodybuilders have protein powder from uh, whey protein there's all sorts of ways you can add it to your diet without it being gross tom i'd like to talk about vets um i took my dog to the vet yesterday we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute when i mentioned your product and the insect-based diet my vet said yeah that's a really good idea michelle go ahead vets like your product why do they like it so much if you look at the actual protein part of our food everything else around the protein is exactly as you would find in the very best of the dry baked kibbles extruded kibbles potatoes spinach spirulina um there's all sorts it's all just the same stuff so all you all you really need to look at that's different is the protein and if you were to look at if you were to take a grub, one of our grubs, which are annoyingly, they don't have the most appetizing name. They are the larvae of the black soldier fly. It's a particular sort of non-invasive fly that come from these larvae, which are amazing at breaking down biomass. They are what's called primary composters. They will break down all of the leaf litter in a in a forest, and you know, without grubs like these life as we know it wouldn't exist they're as important to the ecosystem as earthworms and bees they break down biomass really efficiently and what they do is they take all of the nutrition in the case of our grubs leftover vegetable waste 
leftover vegetable peelings and um, ugly potatoes and all the stuff that won't get sold in supermarkets and would otherwise rot. We grind that up, that gets put into a tray and then a teaspoonful of bugs get scattered onto the this substrate and they go nuts for it. They are basically in heaven for two weeks, absolute heaven, crawling all over each other, munching on the, the, um, the food in the tray and what they're doing is they are packing away as much nutrition into their bodies as they can um, to give them all the energy they need to pupate to move on to the next stage of life in their life cycle. So in many ways, they're like an egg. With an egg, you've got it's, it's a self-contained unit that's got proteins and fats and minerals and everything that um, an embryo needs to turn into a chicken. And with the grubs, it's got all the energy they need to basically reconfigure their entire bodies and turn into a I'll have that taco thank you very much tacos just come in with a packet of crisps <laughs> for, me. for me I don't think never so never work with children or animals it's a no. disaster taco thank you though taco good boy <laughs> um, and so they the, the nutrition that's in them it's all the same sort of stuff as you would find in an egg or chicken the proteins it's all they've been analyzed and taken to bits and animal protein muscle protein because they wiggle is very similar whether it's from a fish or a chicken or lamb it's only the the genetics of it that might set off an, an allergy if it's if a dog's allergic to chicken they might not be they won't be allergic to lamb for instance but the actual mechanics of it it's the same stuff it's just come from a different creature. An insect isn't much removed from a prawn. Okay. You know, a prawn is basically a bug that we're more than happy to eat because it lives in the sea. But you wouldn't pick up a bug, a land bug to eat it, which is strange, I think. Um, so when you look at the insect, it's animal protein and fat. That's all that's made up of and all the minerals and everything that it needs. So it isn't really different when you actually break it down. If you were to analyze in a laboratory the dried part of our insect ingredient and chicken or fish, the makeup of it would be really, really, really similar. And so it's no different for dogs. But okay. the best thing about it is with chicken meal that's, um, you know, in foods, everything from Lily's Kitchen to Canigan and, and all sorts of foods, um, it has to get cooked at very, very high temperatures because it's breaking down more tougher material. But because we've got these little soft body creatures, we cook them at a much, much lower temperature to dry them out to turn them into flour, which means that the proteins are more complete. And also when we put it through the extruder it's cooked at about half the temperature than a traditional kibble based dog food as well and so everything about it is about the all of the nutrition is it's even more digestible than chicken which is considered one of the most digestible animal protein sources so that's why your vet said it's okay because it really is and get away from the look of the creature if you get down to it on a microscopic level know the differences disappear your food is hypoallergenic isn't it yep that's the 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 best thing about it is when you've got um there are more and more dogs out there getting food meat protein allergies and part of it is because they've been fed the same sorts of they're from generation to generation to generation they've been eating the same protein sources and so often one of the things that a vet will recommend is a novel protein source and sometimes that's a very expensive veterinary food you know that's got 
deep sea fish or um, kangaroo meat or something like that because it's something they haven't had before and so they're unlikely to have developed an allergy to it because insects haven't been a major part of their diet for generations we're finding that dogs particularly dogs with food allergies are really thriving on Yoro. Um, let's look at this meat again. I'm, you know, I really want to talk about these these grubs and their lifestyle. They aren't given antibiotics or growth hormones that we sometimes, well, quite often in the case of antibiotics, see in, you know, traditionally farmed animals. Um, am I correct in saying that they don't need it, do they, Tom? Don't need it because they grow so fast. We don't um, basically. If you've got a barnyard full of chickens or pigs or cattle the, the value in that livestock is enormous and they need a lot of tending and caring and all of that sort of stuff and it's if a disease breaks out then that's a massive loss but because our grubs are fed on leftover vegetable waste which is a, a, a cheap input low carbon input as well um if and it hasn't even happened if the, there was any sort of disease in the colony then that batch of grubs could be humanely um, disposed of everything could be cleaned down and we can just start again from from scratch and so they don't need it but often they're giving antibiotics to these animals because it also helps them boosts their growth as well it has that side effect uh, but because they naturally grow fast so remember where i said before that we take a teaspoonful of grubs and um, sprinkle it on the substrate that teaspoonful of um, insect eggs will turn into a hundred kilograms of protein of insects in 14 days two weeks and that's more than a me of insects from a from a teaspoon they grow incredibly incredibly quickly without they don't need if i dread to think what would happen if we did give them growth hormones i think would be they, they run amok they're very very they're efficient giant, aren't they they're so efficient and that's that's the beauty of it and they thrive on mass this is like their natural instinct is to cling together and generate they generate a lot of heat uh, because they're always wiggling and moving i don't know if you've ever um put your hands into a bucket of larvae before can't say that i have actually <laughs> oh strange it surprised me it's on but, my bucket list <laughs> <laughs> the bucket of larvae yes they uh, they generate a, a load of heat and the farm in Holland that we use called Protix, they're so efficient that they've, they've included heat exchangers in the ceiling that actually harvest this heat that they generate and feed it back into the system to keep it at sort of a nice tropical temperatures without having to actually heat it externally. So everything about it is efficient. And once we harvest the grubs, what's left in the tray, the, the, they, the, the processed vegetable matter, is an amazing fertilizer that can then go back out into the fields to grow more crops. So it's, I went to this farm when I was first doing my research and then we were examining which sort of insect to use. Um, I went to Protix and saw what they were doing and I came out an evangelist because it's so high tech, so future thinking, so efficient. They, the, the amount of land that they need to grow tons of this protein is minimal because it's all vertical farming. It really did, does feel like the future. And yep. the, the, the reason why they're set up was not to feed pets. 
it's for um, animal feed because um, it can replace all of the harmful soya that's fed to livestock as a foodstuff. But we harvest the, the grubs very humanely as well. So they are, we get them just as they're about to pupate. So they're just pupating, which means they're putting themselves into a state of suspended animation. Um, so they're starting to go still and quiet. We harvest them and we put them onto a conveyor belt where they're washed with ice cold water until they're complete comatose. And they're very quickly, um, they go into a blender at a point in which they're naturally comatose. They're dormant, they, yeah. They, they're dormant and it's by far, from what I've seen of other um, livestock... Um, it's you know, less violent, isn't it, for it's, sure? It, it's, it's, it's really... My thinking is pets need animal protein. They thrive on it much better than vegetable protein. This is the most humane, the most ethical and the only sustainable form of animal protein on the planet these grubs are living a natural life when they're with you before they end up in our pet food because if you sort of compare and contrast their lifestyle with that of you know traditionally farmed mammals and birds you know we've all seen those images haven't we all those chickens so fat no space and and you know we know that grubs like being together don't they you know you take a grub out on its own and say here you go here's a nice paddock you know it would be so (laughs) miserable wouldn't it it doesn't like that it doesn't want to be living that way and they're fed natural foods aren't they yeah completely it's all all natural and and yet it's you can't intensively rear any other form of protein humanely without the animals suffering great um now this is maybe concerned about uh testing on animals um your pet food isn't tested on animals at all is it the ingredient isn't a new chemical or a new preservative there was no real need apart from analyzing it analyzing the the proteins to make sure that all of the essential amino acids that cats and dogs need make their way into their bodies there was no real need for testing it is just animal protein. I get asked this question a lot. It's like, how, how do you know? Insects have been the main form of nutrition and the sort of the, for millions and millions of years. All our ancestors going back to the dawn of time ate insects. Yeah. They are just the most, the most natural form of nutrition on the planet. That's, that's the thing we have to remember yeah. is it's not novel. It's novel. It's become novel again for us in the same way that if you put a rotary dial telephone in front of a child it would be novel it's just something that we've grown out of using now you have a range of of foods suitable for different stages in dogs lives don't you so you've got a puppy adult and a senior kibble what's the difference between those and how do they cater for those age groups tom please so the puppy one is um the one we're most excited about um, because that's where our, our customers start off. And the best thing about the puppy one is we've found a great source of one of the things we were worried about because puppies need DHA for brain development. And often that comes from salmon oil or, or um, sources like that. But we've, we've, we realized that the DHA that's in salmon comes from eating algae and, oh, well, it comes from eating small fish. And those small fish eat the algae. So we've gone right to the start of the food chain 
we're using the the original source of the DHA, which are these little algae that's dried out. And so that's great for brain development. Um, then there's also um, in the, the large breed and the small breed dogs both have extra joint care and glucosamine and chondroitin. The kibble size varies. And then the, um, the senior one has lots of um, joint care as well, uh, but it's lower in fat um, and less calorie, less calorie dense so that you don't end up with your as dogs slow down the calorific needs slow down so you don't want them tubbing up